Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be in God's house this morning. And uh, no place I'd rather be than the house of the Lord. Amen. There's a lot of places we could all be, but no place greater than this. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you today out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, and uh, give honor to uh, Pastor and Sister Mayo. I know they're not here today, and uh, he's asked me to come and uh, stand in his place. Praise God. Um, and uh, I committed myself several years ago to, uh, I don't preach out as much as I used to, uh, but I did tell myself that uh, I'd always uh, do my best to make myself available for Pastor Rick Mayo. Amen. How many people love their pastor? Amen. Amen. I was uh, sitting in a restaurant about three nights ago all by myself. And uh, I know some people can't do that, but uh, uh, I had to do that. So I was sitting in a restaurant by myself, and the Lord spoke to me what I'm about to preach to you. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a message. I just had this really strong thought. And uh, early this morning, I got up to pray, and the Lord spoke this to me again. And uh, I'm going to need your help. I'm just going to preach this the way I feel to preach this. And so I may have a bit of an unorthodox approach here, but I believe that by the time we're done, God is going to touch somebody. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor say, I love the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Isaiah 43 and verse number 18, say amen when you have it. The word of the Lord says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you this morning on this very simple thought. I never would have thought. I never would have thought. Can we say that together? I never would have thought. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for your word. Lord, I thank you that you've laid this word on my heart for this moment. Lord, I pray that you would touch every visitor, every saint. Lord, I pray, God, that you would grace me today and enable me to speak to your people with clarity, with compassion. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that a mighty anointing would sweep over this house and break every chain in Jesus' name. And everyone shout a healthy amen. Give the Lord one more good hand clap.
How do you feel that the Holy Ghost is already moving in the house? Hallelujah. And someone shout amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. As of a few years ago, I crossed the line of having spent more years in church than out of church. But I spent a long time out of church. I spent a long time a sinner. And I, I experienced a lot of pain as a sinner. I never would have thought, I never would have thought that I would overcome all of the effects that come with being the child of a divorced set of parents. Never would have thought it. I never would have thought that I would experience any success in life after having done so poorly in elementary school, high school, and even college. I never would have thought I would come out of a deep and uncontrollable bout of depression and later on suicide. I never would have thought that after years of consistent drug abuse and self-abuse, I would be clean and sober. I never would have thought that I would marry a woman as prayerful, godly, and educated as my wife. I never would have thought that I would have two daughters who, love, who I love so much and who love me more than I deserve. I never would have thought that after years of so many ups and downs, prayers and fasting, frustration and disappointment, open doors and closed doors, I would be the pastor of a church. And the reason I never thought any of these things is quite simple. And it's found in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I came to preach to somebody today that whatever you've been thinking about your life, your setbacks, your disappointments, your ups and your downs, it is nowhere near what God's been thinking about when it comes to your life. I came to preach to somebody this morning that where you're at right now is not the end. I came to preach to somebody right now that if you'll let God into your life, there's going to be a day you're standing declaring, I never would have thought. I never would have thought that I would be sober. I never would have thought that I would graduate from college and not lose my soul in the process. I never would have thought that my husband would still be with me today. I never would have thought that my children, amen, would be successful and blessed and fit. I'm preaching to somebody today, amen, where you're at right now is not the end. And I'm preaching to somebody today that what God thinks he can do in your life, amen, hallelujah, is way above what you think he can do it. Somebody give God some praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. 
The Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 29 and 11, and he said it this way, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Hey, I'm telling you, God has good thoughts about you. God has good thoughts about what he wants to do in your life. God has good thoughts about what he wants to do in your future. Amen. I'm telling you, I know I've heard from God. There are people here, you are not convinced yet that God is going to bring you out of where you are. I'm talking to saints. I'm talking to sinners. I'm talking to visitors. I'm talking to established saints. Uh, amen. It's possible to be in the church and have trials you think are never going to end. It's possible to be Holy Ghost filled, baptized in Jesus' name, and get your marriage in a mess that you think can't it can't recover from. Uh, the devil is a liar. Uh, God has different thoughts. God has different plans. God, and they're not your thoughts, and they're not your plans. I'm Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. You think your ministry is over. You think your ministry's so cold it'll never fire up again. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. And God's thoughts are way above your thoughts. And what God is still thinking about doing, amen, you can't even perceive it. You can't even imagine it. I'm not just here preaching, preaching pie in the sky. I'm not just here preaching blabbing and grab it. I'm preaching to you the word of the Lord. Amen. And the word of the Lord, amen, is letting us no. Amen. You can't think the way he thinks. You can't imagine the thoughts and the goodness amen, that he has planned for you. You Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. Can I encourage somebody? Stop worshiping your thoughts. It's getting quiet in here. Praise God. Stop worshiping your opinions. Stop worshiping your assessments. Stop worshiping your calculations. Stop worshiping your predictions. Stop worshiping your own imagination. You're supposed to be pulling down imaginations, casting down imaginations. You're supposed to be telling your thoughts you're not the final say in all of this. You're supposed to be telling your thoughts you're not God. You're supposed to be telling your predictions, your opinions about your husband, about your wife, about your child, about your education, about your future, about your ministry, about, about your place in the church, about your... You're supposed to be declaring, you're not God. God is God, and he's above my thoughts, and he's above my calculations, and he's above my imagination, and he's above my opinions, and he's above my assessments. Oh, come on. Come on. Hey, I just feel like saying this. Your marriage is going to get better. Your children are going to get better. Your finances are going to get better. Your situation's going to change. Your circumstances are going to turn around. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Amen. But it's definitely not when you say it is. And it's definitely not going to end the way you say it is. And it's definitely not going to be the way you say it is. Open up and let God's thoughts take over. Open. Oh, hallelujah. 
I don't know if I can get a little more monitor up here. Praise God. Hey, let me tell you why we do not bow to our own thoughts. Somebody said, well, God gave us a mind. We ought to use it. You ought to use it to not trust your mind. Ephesians 5 and says, says, for you were darkness. I used to read that and think it was missing a preposition. Because that's the way we say it in church. We were in darkness. No, the scripture says you were darkness. I don't care. I don't care how pretty your clothes are. I don't care how nice you do your hair. I don't care how educated you are. I don't, I, I don't care how sophisticated, how... How, how composed and well-behaved you are before you got saved. You were not in darkness. You were darkness. You were darkness. I don't care. I'm telling you. This is what you were. This is what the scripture says. And no amount of upbringing, no amount of education, no amount of sophistication changes that. You were darkness. And at any given moment in your life, you can slip back into that darkness and start thinking things that aren't true. Start thinking things that are not accurate. Start making assessments that are off. I, hey, hey, can I tell somebody, praise God, that was lost, amen, out there, maybe not so sophisticated. Maybe you were uncouth. Huh? Amen. Maybe you you were a wretched sinner. Huh? Maybe you were reckless in everything you did. Huh? And now you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I can make up, huh? amen, for all the wrong that I've done. You are absolutely right. You cannot. But God can. Amen. God can. God. You're thinking I'll never reverse this. You're right. You will never reverse this because you were darkness. You don't have the thoughts, the ideas, the imagination, amen, that it takes to reverse those kinds of things. You don't have the power, huh? amen. There are some people you will never change their mind and, and make them forgive you. But when God gets in the mix and when God gets in the situation and when God starts performing his good and perfect will, people that you thought never would forgive forgive you, will forgive you. Children you never thought would come home, come home. Amen. Daughters you never thought would come home, come home. Sons you never thought would talk in tongues again will be a... Hey, stop thinking you're right about your marriage. I got quiet on that one. Stop thinking you're right about your children. Stop thinking you are right about your career and your ministry. Stop thinking that you're right about your ability to one day be happy again. Stop thinking that you're right about your potential to one day get married. Man, some single people ought to run the house on that one. Stop thinking that you're right about your capacity to get your life together. Hey, listen. If you've not learned anything about yourself, you ought to know that you have a downward bias. When we, when we assess things, when we, when we look in the mirror, the first thing we notice are not the things we like, it's the things we don't like. If that were not so, the plastic surgery business wouldn't be doing so well. 
because they know better than anyone that there's a self-loathing that imposes itself on all of us. And it doesn't just do it about our nose and our hair. And it doesn't just do it about our weight and our skin color. It does it about everything. It does it about our children. When the principal calls and says he's in the office again. I know parents that give up so badly on their oldest child that their only response is we should just have another one and try to raise that one better. You don't have to say amen. You could say oh me. Either one's fine. But I am telling you right now, don't you ever give up. And don't you ever trust in your thoughts. Don't you ever say, you know what, my calculation, my assessment, and my conclusion about this situation is 100% right. The Lord said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And if you would just look up a little, if you would just pray a little, if you would just read those scriptures a little, your vision would be elevated. Your understanding would be elevated. Hey. If you're married, stop saying, I'm done trying to talk to Charlie. He doesn't listen. I'll just start sleeping downstairs. Man, it got real quiet. I know, I, I know what people do. They, they, they surrender. And they think they're surrendering to the situation. No, you're surrendering to your thoughts about the situation. You may not think you're worshiping your thoughts. You're worshiping your thoughts. You may not think you're bowing down to them like little idols. You're bowing down to them like little idols. You, my friend, you, my dear brother, you, my dear sister, you are a child of God. God is on your side. How could you give up? Why would you give up? Why? Why would you quit? Where? When did God tell you to quit? Where? Well, the doctor said this, pray anyways. The therapist said this, pray anyways. Statistics say this, pray anyways. Life says this, pray anyways. This is what's in front of my eyes, pray anyways. Your eyes deceive you too. This, this has been going on for 10 years, pray anyways. This has been going on for five years, pray anyways. This is what's in the bank, pray anyways. This is how much we lost, pray anyways. The car got repoed, pray anyways. The house got, the house is in foreclosure, pray anyways. My husband left me, pray anyways. My wife left me, pray anyways. My children hate me, pray anyways. Just, your thoughts are not his. Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. God said, I have an expected end for you. Let me give you a little prayer hack. When I'm really in a situation, I do my very best when I'm praying about it to not try and imagine what would be the ideal. Because a lot of times... When you're in a bad situation and you're praying about it, but you get a preconceived idea in your head about how, it, how God would answer it if he did answer, you'll miss the real answer. 
when you have it made up in your mind that this is the only way I'll ever be happy again. This is the only way I'll find love again. This is the only way I can get along with my children again. This is the only way me and my husband could ever make amends. This is the only way I could ever feel satisfied and content. You miss the blessing of the Lord. When you start making it up in your mind, amen, this is the only way my ministry will ever work. This is the only way my calling will ever be, amen, truly fruitful. This is the only way I can be happy. You have locked yourself in, amen. You have locked yourself into a situation, amen, that is ideal for missing the blessing of God. Amen. You ought to go to the prayer room and say, God, I don't know what you're going to do because your thoughts are above my thoughts. But I'm here to declare to you, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Do it how only you can do it. I receive it. I embrace it. I accept it. Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. Stop giving God a box to work in. Amen. Kick the box. Get rid of the box. And tell God, have your way. Let your thoughts come to pass in my life. Let your ways come to pass. Come on, somebody. God has an expected end for your situation. And he's not expecting you to be the one who guarantees that end. You know who he's expecting to bring that situation to a good end? Himself. Hey, can I, be, can I be real with you? We probably all know this story by now, but Gideon. Gideon. Gideon had 32,000 soldiers. He had to go fight 133,000 soldiers. And Gideon found out. His thoughts are not my thoughts. And Gideon went and got as many people as he could get. Because he said, well, there's 133,000 over there. I got to get as close to 133,000 as I can get. And he could only get to 32,000. And the Lord spoke to Gideon. He said, Gideon, tell everybody that's afraid to go home. Gideon came out to the camp. He said, where are all the chickens at? And boy, they started squawking. Clucking. And with just that, 22,000 of the 32,000 left. Leaving them with 10,000. And Gideon thought, well, at least we're still in the thousands. And God said, actually, we're not. He said, take all these 10,000 soldiers, take them down to the river. He said, watch how they drink water. If they drink water this way, they're not going. They're disqualified. 9,700 of the men drank water in a disqualifying way. And now Gideon was down to 300 men. And Gideon never would have thought that he could do more with less. Gideon never thought that he could get off welfare while on welfare. Gideon never thought he could, he could be a single parent that marries a child that never gets divorced. Y'all getting quiet on me. That's all right. 
Gideon never would have thought, amen, that he'd be capable of winning a battle with less resources, less numbers, less help. But you know what? There are times in life when God gets you low so your faith gets high. There are times in life where God has to teach you how to faith it because you calculate everything. You count everything. You're... If it's not hard numbers, you won't do it. If it's not hard facts, you won't do it. And you pride your, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You actually pride yourself on that. I'm preaching to a man right now. I could call you out the crowd. You're always telling your wife, you got to use your mind. You're a little educated. You're a little good with the logic and the reasoning. Sir, you're wrong. You're wrong about that. Your reasoning and your logic is not up to par with God's thoughts. God is above and outside reason and logic. Amen. You can't believe in God and deny me. Miracles at the same time. And a miracle is that which defies logic and reasoning. And you ought to let God be God. Come on. Come on. You know what God told Gideon? Because Gideon freaked out. He said, we're down to 300. God said, I know. He said, Gideon, if you had any more and they won the battle, they'd praise themselves. He said, Israel would forget that I was the one that delivered them. If God loves you, if God is engaged with you in a truly meaningful relationship that that has your best interest in mind, he will never let you get into a place where you worship yourself. He will never let you enter into that dangerous zone where you really think it's you doing it all. Where you really think you're coming out by your own bootstraps. Where you really think it's your will, your determination, your get up and go, your guts, your networking, your friendships, your ways, your thoughts that got you out. God says, I will bring you down to the lowest common denominator. I'll get you down to the point where you know it's a miracle. I'll get you down to the point where you know it was me. You will never deny it was me. You will stay in. Come on, somebody. He'll open doors you know you're not qualified for. He'll get you clean and sober, amen, when you know everybody else is getting the shakes. He'll get you off drugs when everyone else is having to go to the methadone clinic. He'll get you off cigarettes when other people, amen, are still hacking up a lung. He'll get you, come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you, good. He'll get you out of divorce court and back on the pew and loving each other and raising those babies. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody. Let's lift our hands for just a few seconds. I'm not going to preach long time. I feel the Holy Ghost so powerfully in here right now. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Can I, can, I com- can I comfort you? You're in the hands of a God who's always doing things that no one would have ever thought. Abraham was 80 years old when God told him, you're going to be a dad. (laughs) 
This is not part of today's message. This is free. Compliments of Pastor Ari Prado. Abraham got tired of waiting. So one day, he gets really clever with God. He says, listen, Lord, you're obviously having a lot of trouble bringing things to pass. Eleazar, my, my chief servant, who looks after everything I own, this will be your heir. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that this was actually an acceptable custom in the days of Abraham. And the Lord said, I've not chosen him. Don't force your culture on God's kingdom. God said, you know what? I'm not doing it that way. I don't care if that's how all the Mexicans do it. I don't care if that's how all the blacks do it. I don't care if that's how all white people do it. I don't care if that's how Asians do it. I don't care what you are. I'm telling you to think higher. I'm telling you to go kingdom. This is kingdom business. And we don't do culture business here. We do kingdom business. And Abraham, when you start thinking kingdom instead of culture, my blessing will come on your life. My blessing. Yeah, I said that, and I'm Mexican. I said that, and I'm a colored person. I said that. I'm telling you right now, there's days, the last thing I want to do is think like a Mexican. I want to think like a child of God. I want to think kingdom thoughts. I want to have kingdom promises. I want to have a kingdom way. I want to walk in. I want thoughts that are higher than my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Hey. We got Filipinos in our church, I tell them, don't think Filipino. We got Asians in our church, I tell them, don't think Asian. We got black folk in our church, I tell them, don't think black. We got white folks in our church, I tell them, don't think like that. You got to think kingdom. You got to think kingdom. Because we're talking. Hey, do you know that it was culturally acceptable to, to have your husband have a child with another woman? And God said, you guys keep injecting this into my plans. And you're causing a mess. But it all started with Abraham really worshiping his own thoughts. Because he never would have thought that God could make a nearly 100-year-old man a father. You know, the Bible says, well, let's keep moving. It's Sunday morning. David never would have thought he'd be a king. When Samuel showed up to David's house and asked for all the, for all the sons to come out, they didn't even bring David. David never thought he'd be a king, and guess what? Nobody in his family ever thought he'd be a king either. You need to learn to zero in on the voice of the Lord. Don't you let anybody tell you, we're Johnsons and we've always been that way. Well, hallelujah, I'm preaching good right now. Don't you ever let anybody tell you, we're Martinez and we all have a temper. He's still preaching good right now. And don't you ever let the devil whisper in your ear, 
Your mom was an alcoholic. Her mom was one too. Quit trying to get off the bottom. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody. You've been trying. You keep failing. Don't quit trying. That, that's the word of the Lord for you. You don't quit trying. You are not your mama. You're not your mama's mama. Amen. You serve God. God is on your side. God is working with you. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? I feel the Holy Ghost really talking to us. Come on. Hey, I'm, I, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable here. So we're not going to really do this. So please understand, I'm speaking hyperbolically right now. But I, 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 I'm telling you, I could call you out of the crowd right now if I had to. There's a woman here right now. One of the best things you could do in your heart right now is just start believing, amen, that your husband will be somebody you, you would have never imagined. There's somebody who's sitting in this congregation right now. I see you're trying to do it. I'm telling you, keep on doing it. Don't you ever stop imagining, amen, that God can blow your mind. Huh? Amen, don't you ever stop believing. There's going to come a day when this man wakes up and he's going to be a totally different man. There's going to come a day when God is going to do a work in our marriage and in our family and in our home. And he's going to be a... Come on, somebody. Yes. Come on, give God some praise. part of today's message. I'm not even sure I should get off on this tangent. You got to learn how to thresh your wheat in the wine press. Scripture says that the Israelites had all their resources taken away by the Midianites. And so what Gideon did was he would go down to the, he'd get all the wheat because there wasn't a problem with wheat. The resources were there. God was good to them. Everything they needed, they had. The problem was the devil kept taking it. The enemy kept stealing it. And so Gideon said, I got blessings on one hand and thieves on the other. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start threshing my wheat in the wine press. Wine presses are, are big pits. They're about six feet deep. He said, I'm going to take everything God gives me, and I'm going down deeper. And I'm going to start threshing my wheat down there so nobody could see me doing it. And I won't attract the enemy. And he figured out a way how to keep what God had been giving him and not get it taken by the enemy. You got, you got, you got to get good. You know, there's, there's just times you can't, you can't avoid it. You're surrounded by situations and circumstances that'll gobble up your finances, gobble up your joy, gobble up your happiness if you're not careful. There are times when you're walking on a thin razor. There are times where one wrong move in one wrong direction can really get you all messed up and set you back years. And I'm telling you, when you're in that position, you got to go deep. You got to go real deep. You got to dig yourself a deep place, and you got to 
gotta, you gotta thresh your wheat down there. You gotta stay on your knees. You gotta pray like you've never prayed. You can't lean on your thoughts and on your understanding. You gotta go down into the deep places of God. You gotta commit yourself to fasting. You gotta commit yourself to prayer. You gotta commit yourself to Bible reading so that you can make it out of the trial, so that you can make it out of this mess, so that you can make it out and have God's favor on. You got to watch how you talk to people. I have been through trials in my life where I know that if I slip up with my mouth, I'm going to blow it all. Hey, you probably don't want to hear this. There are times God's watching how you talk when you're all by yourself. And he's holding you to it. There doesn't need to be an audience around for you to get judged for talking crazy. God's around. And God hears you when you say, this is never going to work. This is never going to happen. This is horrible. Why is he doing this? He hears all that. Why don't you just turn crazy around and start saying, God is a good God. God's going to turn this around. I don't know how, but his thoughts are above my thoughts. You know what? Why don't you turn some praise music on and listen to that? Why don't you just... I'm almost done preaching. You know Mark. Mark. Mark never would have thought he would be one of the writers of the Gospels. He walked out on Paul. He turned his back. Not because he was a wretched sinner. Not because he had a drug problem. He was just scared. He was just, he was a good guy who could not control his fears. And he walked out on the work of God. And he never would have thought that God would send a Barnabas his way to restore him and get him back in the work of the Lord. If I had time, I'd preach to you on the undeniable value of good friends. When you're, when you're down and out, choose your friends wisely. Hey, when you're up and up, choose your friends wisely. But when you're upset about the way things have gone in church, don't go find the other folks that are upset about the way things have gone in church. You might do that with your favorite grocery store. You might get mad at the cashier and then go on the internet, write a bad review, and then try to DM the people that are writing bad reviews too. But don't do that in the church. Don't. I probably shouldn't say this. I'll say this. But you need to hear me really good. Jesus said, I'm preaching right now to somebody. I don't want to tell you who you are. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits, not their truths. There's a lot of folks that have a lot of truths, but they have no fruits. They could tell you, 
Do you know what happened this one time? Go look over there. It's right there. It's looking at us. That person right there, you know what they did? That... Let me tell you about one time when Pastor XYZ, let me tell you something. You don't know people by their truths. You know them by their fruits because truth can be abused. And I don't want truth from people that abuse it because, come on, somebody, you ain't hearing me right now. Amen. I'm not going to listen to no internet troll. I'm not going to listen to no church troll. I'm not going to listen to people that have truths but no fruits. They just talk, they can tell you all the facts, but they ain't got no faith. They ain't got no favor. All they see are faults. They're... They themselves are foul. Hey, you know, it is, a, it is a cowardly and twisted and perverted generation that thinks you should accept truth no matter where it comes from. That is a lie from the devil. I don't want truth from somebody that can't be pure, moral, and right. I don't want truth from somebody that, that steals money. I'm not going to let a non-tither talk to me about tithing. You can't listen to thieves tell you what to do with your money. You got... Come on, somebody, help me preach right about now. Somebody said they're telling the truth. No, they're not telling the truth. They're telling a fact. Amen. But that's not how we measure people. That's not how we judge people. Amen. We go according to the fruit. I want to know that they're good-spirited, that they're right, that they're clean, that they're whole. Hey, to say something true on the internet doesn't mean that you have a valid point. It just means you have a valid email account to open up a social media account. Praise God. That's all you got. Praise God. I'm not going to listen to any such person. I'm not going to listen to them in the church. I'm not going to listen to them outside. Somebody said you're narrow-minded. You're right I'm narrow-minded. Amen. Hallelujah. I got, I got, I, I can't just take everything in from anybody and everyone. Everyone's not trustworthy. Everybody's not trustworthy. Everybody's not right with God. Everybody's not pure. Everybody's not right. Come on, somebody, give God some praise right now. Hey, I, I, I got a lot to say, but I, I got to say this. I almost got knocked out of church several times. I almost got knocked out of my ministry as a young preacher for listening to people that had truths and no fruits. I distinctly remember a young man who started giving me all the truths about what church life was really like and where all the hypocrites really were. And what conferences they were really preaching. And it almost knocked me out. And I'll never forget the day that I finally prayed all that out of my spirit. You got to pray that stuff out of your spirit. It, you can't just let it fester. You, you got you to hit the prayer room right away. And pray that out. You, you got you to pray that junk out. I'm telling you right now. I went to the prayer room. I prayed that junk out. I got it all out of my spirit. And it took a long time. And I'll never forget one day I was at the airport. And his father, his father, who I have never met, came up to me and said, you're so-and-so. I said, I am. He said, can I talk to you? I said, Yeah. He said, I know that you knew my son back in the day. I said, I sure did. And I even told the dad, I said, I'll never forget a conversation I had with your son. I told his dad, your son's messed up. Hey, you can be kind and candid. And he said, you're right. He said, I, 
In fact, I'm asking you to pray for my son. His marriage is in ruins. Everything's messed up. Because you know what? He just got caught on truths and no fruits. And he accepted any little bit of information that looked valid, that might have been valid, but that came from bad sources. You have to consider the source, not the information. You got to consider the... Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help. You know, if you want me to be really specific, I may not be preaching to everybody, but I am preaching to somebody's. You have a ministry. You have a call of God on your life, and you're just a stone's throw away from ruining it because you're hanging out with all kinds of Internet trolls and folks that talk crazy about the ministry. They talk bad about your pastor, and you don't even defend them. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, young preacher. If somebody raises up and talks about your pastor, you ought to fire back. Hey, bro, this friendship is over. This friendship is terminated right now. And until you get that out of your spirit, until you get that out of it, you're silly and your judgment is clouded. You got to get. John, the apostle, never would have thought that he could catch a vision on the island of Patmos. But they're in a prison. They're exiled and forsaken. God started giving them visions of the future. You want to know, and I'm closing here. You want to know what else no one would have ever thought? That God would manifest himself in flesh. That he would be seen of angels. Because you know, when God was in his spirit form, the angels couldn't even look on him. And when he robed himself in flesh, it was the first time the angels could lay eyes on him. And no one would have ever thought that that God who became a little Jewish carpenter would preach to Gentiles. And no one would have ever thought that that God that descended from heaven onto earth would go back up and then give us his spirit. To abide in our hearts. No one would have ever thought that. And you know what else? No one would have ever thought that the main reason he did it is explained in 1 John 3 and 8 that says, For this reason was he manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Hey, in just a few moments, the Holy Ghost is going to move through here. And it's going to destroy the works of the devil. You see, some of y'all don't understand what you are. No one's ever told you. You're, you're the replacement. Because when God was in heaven all by himself, there was a group of haughty and high-minded angels that said, we're going to elevate ourselves above God. And the scripture says they fell as lightning. And you know where they fell? Right here, onto planet Earth. And you know where God put you and me? Right here, in the middle of it all. That's right. Surprise, you're in a war zone. Surprise, you're hated. Surprise. 
There's some of your addiction, it's demonic. Surprise. There's some of your marital problems, it's demonic. I'm preaching to somebody right now, you and your husband just fought the other day, and before you went to bed, the kids were getting nightmares. Yeah, you can stay quiet. I'm still preaching. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is going to move in this house right now and destroy those works. He's going to destroy those works. He's going to... There's some of you here, you've been contemplating, you, you've been getting inundated with thoughts of what it would be like to leave church. You've been getting your mind inundated of what it would be like to go back to who you used to be. I'm telling you right now, those are the works of Satan, and God's going to destroy that. You've been feeling... You've been feeling bad about yourself because you think every thought that runs through your mind comes from your mind. The devil is a liar. There's stuff that's been running through your mind. It's not yours. Amen. Hallelujah. There's stuff that's been running through your attitude, your behavior. It's not yours. Hey. You want to know something else? You want to know something else and nobody ever tell you? Pastor Prado will tell you there's problems in your money. Maybe not yours, but there's problems in your money. They're demonic. You want, to know, you want to know where I get grounds for saying that? Malachi 3 and 10, the Lord says that when you bring the tithe and the offering to the house of God, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. Amen. The devourer gets on your dollars. He gets on your finances. And the Lord says when you align yourself, amen, to my financial plan, even though you don't know how to hardly add, even though you've been overdrafting your account, even though you've been messing up, even though you got a 500 credit score, I will rebuke the devourer that demonic element will be gone it'll be gone you you're still gonna have to learn how to balance your checkbook and do some math but the devil won't be involved anymore the devil will get off of it the devil come on give God some praise I'd be getting excited right now if my preacher was telling me the devil's about to get off my money he about to get off my marriage he about to get off my Come on, come on, let that get a hold of you. Brother Knudsen, this is why God manifested in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy. Oh, come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Come on, there's a. Oh, I wish somebody just talking tongues right now. I wish somebody just get a little riled up right now. I wish. Hey. We got, we got people in our church, they have the right job. They have the right income. They have the right set of skills. They married the right person. 
The kids are cute. But the money, they just can't break a certain ceiling. Hey, you can go ahead and lose confidence because my credit score is in the 700s now. But when I came to church, my goodness, I was like in the 500s. And, you know, I, I kind of knew why. It wasn't a big mystery. I had people that called me every day to remind me what got me there. We ain't talking about friends. Although we became friends eventually. And when I finally started getting... The first time I got a revelation about giving. You know what, let's, let's quit calling it giving, returning. Because it ain't ours anyways. When I got a revelation about returning, yeah, that was about 10 of us. When I got a revelation about returning to God what's his, there was a demonic element that, that loosened. And I started like coming up. But there was this weird thing that would happen. I'd pay off a debt and I'd get hit with another one. Not just, you know, it wasn't a problem. It was a pattern. You know, after five times, you got you to go ahead and be like, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some sort of other intelligence involved here. And I thought, you know what, I'm really tired of this. I, I'm trying to get my credit score up. I'm trying to get my finances right. I'm trying, I'm trying to quit needing cosigners. Got real quiet. Where are all the cosigners at? I wanted to stand on my own too. I wanted to be a man. I wanted to be worthy of a wife. But I kept getting fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. And I, man, I just could not get above a certain grade. And I finally just got, I just finally got the conviction. This is demonic. Some of y'all have already tuned me out. This, I'm talking to you, and you tuned out. <laughs> this is demonic. I don't have to live like this. I don't, I don't receive this. I got to get above this. This is not just this is not my lot in life. This is not just, I'm, I, I just don't feel, I don't feel like this is okay. I, I'm, I'm going to get above this. And I started engaging the situation spiritually. I started looking at it spiritually. I started thinking, you know what? There's an expected end here. And God, it's not me that's going to determine that end. It's God. And so I'm going to align myself to God. I'm going to get in that room and pray. I'm going to pray until I have God's favor on my finances. And God, I'm going to learn how to thresh this wheat in this wine press. And I'm going to keep everything God gives me. I'm not giving it up to no Midianite. I'm giving... He said I'd be the lender and not the borrower, the head and not the tail. There's a man in our church, I love him. He's, he's, he'll hear this. But I've already told him this. 
I just, he was scrapping. He was fighting. Faithful man. Helps me so much. And they only have one car. Now, I know that's the first world problem. But where we live, it's a real problem to only have one car. And he didn't want no Benz. He would have been happy with a hoopty. And he said, Pastor, we just really need a second car. I said, well, how much are you trying to spend? He said, you know, I was thinking about $5,000. I was like, well, I'll, I'll keep my ears out if I hear anything, you know. He said, but we got to come up with the $5,000. Right? Like, it helps to have the money. But I'm closing. This is my last story, I promise. I was talking to somebody in the church, and they said, Pastor, you know, I really got a burden for that brother. I said, you know, I really feel like we should buy him a car. I said, man, he, I was just talking to him about it. And the person said, like a $5,000 car. I said, you know what, that's the number he just said. <laughs> now, they were ready to give him the money. We were actually going to all pitch in on it, to be honest with you. A few of us in the church, we were each going to give. So we came up with $5,000. But I thought to myself, no. No. God has better than this. This man has been faithful to the work. He's been faithful in his giving. He's done right by the church. He's done right by his family. He's done right. He's a worshiper. He's faithful. And so I told, I told the few people, I said, you know what, I'm gonna, let me pray about it. So I started praying every day for like three months. God, give me $5,000 so I could buy him a car. God, give me $5,000 so I could buy him a car. God, give me $5,000 so I could buy him a car. And I kid you not. Amen. I was, I, was, I was preaching somewhere between Canada and Mexico. Amen. And a man came up to me and said, Brother Prado, he said, I don't know why. He said, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, and I asked my pastor, and he said, it's totally fine. He said, but the Lord spoke to me, and he told me to give you $5,000. He said, but he told me that not, it's not for the church. He says, I feel like you have a special need. He said, you just use it for that special need, whatever it is. He said, I don't know what you've been praying about, but the Lord gave me this number, and here's the money. I'm telling you, I went, I went shouting back home. I went up to that brother. I said, brother, I'm telling you, God. Come on. Come on, I'm talking about destroying the works of the devil, approaching things spiritually, looking at it through the lens of the word, looking at it on your knees, looking at it in prayer, attacking. Come on, somebody. I need the musicians to come. Oh, let's all stand to our feet. We had a young lady come back to our church the other day. I wondered to God like 20 years ago when I first got saved. Hadn't seen her for 20 years. She came back. We were having, we were having some Holy Ghost throw down church. I'm just trying to show you how much the devil links up with money. We were having some Holy Ghost church. She's been on my mind all day today. 
Her life got totally ruined when she backslid. Now she's having to pay horrible prices. But she's back on track. She's living for God. But she's had a lot of setbacks. But the other day in the middle of service, we were taking up the tithe and the offering. And the Holy Ghost just fell. And people started shouting and screaming. And she came up with this huge mason jar. She said, Pastor Prado. She said, I was cleaning out my house. I've known her since she was a kid. And I knew. I knew from day one that I met her that there was witchcraft in her family. I knew that. Two days prior to that, I had told my wife, there's witchcraft in that family. She had never come out and admitted it or told us. But in the middle of this offering, she came up with this mason jar. I'm about to break this thing. And she said, Pastor, she said, I've been doing witchcraft a long time. And she had this mason jar just full of money. I'm telling you, I didn't even want to put it in the offering. <laughs> it like smelled weird. It had. I'm just telling you the truth. It was Mexican witchcraft. That's a whole other level. There's levels to this. It was just stains and wax and perfumes and $2 bills and hair. And she said, I'm done. She said, never again. She said, never again. She says, I want all that God has for me. She gave up all that witchcraft money. She put it all down. And you know what happened to her two days later? The judge ordered her to have to go to a rehab for three months that we can't have contact with her. That's what happened. Now, fortunately, I can keep in contact with her. However, I want you to know, the devil don't like people taking this stuff serious. The devil don't like people saying, you know what, I, I can't see the problem, but I know there's a spiritual problem here. I'm tired of blaming my husband. I'm tired of blaming my wife. I'm tired of blaming bad money practices. Even all those things might be a factor, but I'm tired of ignoring the spiritual component. And I'm breaking out of this. And when you take that step, you're going to have a fight. But God sent this preacher to tell you that this fight was the reason God manifested in the flesh. Hey, there's something about a saint that can make the devil show up. When you could actually get him to manifest himself and show where he's hiding, oh, I'm telling you, if you're honest, God gets excited because God says, now I can destroy the works of Satan. 
because you have lived, worshipped, acted, behaved, thought in such a way that you made him poke his head out. We're going to pray collectively right now. And then after we're done praying collectively, or as we are praying collectively, if you feel to come up to the front, I want you to come up to the front. But I want you to come up the way the scripture says, boldly. Boldly. Before the throne of God. And I don't care how shy or timid you are today. Just put that aside for a few seconds. You go back to being shy. But when you get up here, I just want you to say, I rebuke the works of Satan in Jesus' name. I rebuke the works of Satan in Jesus' name. I rebuke the works of Satan, of John's life, of Lisa's life, of my finances. I rebuke the works of Satan, of my... Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now thundering. I rebuke the works of Satan, of my mind. I rebuke the works of Satan, of my health. I rebuke the works of Satan, of my child. I rebuke the works of Satan of my future. I rebuke the... Come on, go, go, go. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving. Come on. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. Some of you are going to speak in tongues like you ain't spoken tongues in a long time. I rebuke the works of Satan of my grandchildren. I rebuke the works of Satan. I need one or two prayer warriors to lift their hands right now and pray for their pastor in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need some saints of God to lift their hands right now. We pray a hedge of protection around Pastor Rick Mayo in the name of Jesus. We pray a hedge of protection in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.